This is a Broad Pods production. From Little Things. At the core of Broad Radio, we believe in celebrating, uplifting, and amplifying the voices of women who are making a real difference in their communities, industries, and the world. So let's do exactly that. Get ready to feel inspired, fiery, and ready to fight for progress because these amazing women prove that even the smallest actions can create massive change. Okay, so when it comes to change makers and thought leaders, our guest on this episode is changing the world with her incredible work while helping all of us learn what changes we need to make in our workplaces and lives. It's the fabulous Winnetha Bonnie, who not only helps organisations make diversity and inclusion part of their DNA, but Winnetha also assists people of colour to thrive in white structures, to reclaim their personal power and become the leader they always knew they were. I'm Jo Stanley and my co-host is Bianca Chatfield. And together, let's learn from the vibrant Winnetha how we can build inclusive cultures in the workplace. I'm lucky enough to meet incredible women. Over this year, I have met so many women that I just go, wow, you are so clever and so vibrant and so interesting. And this next guest I met because I really am uh, attempting and really striving to get diversity inclusion right for Broad Mm. Radio right from the beginning. So I I managed to find her online and I was like, yes, I want to do some proper cultural training to get this right. And then in speaking with her, I was like, you're amazing. You have to come (laughs) on Broad Radio. And here she is, Winnetha Bonnie. OAM. Hello, Winnie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited too, darling. Hey, so we did start speaking um, initially about diversity and inclusion, which is a little bit of a sort of a, it's almost a, a, a very popular term these days. And I think people yeah. talk about it without really understanding what it means. What does it mean to you? So I actually put a post about this on on LinkedIn yesterday and, you know, diversity inclusion can be really dry, can be really quite heavy in academic knowledge and terminology and things like that. But what I've been trying to do in my training with corporates is to really bring it back to what it's about. And so for me personally, diversity inclusion is really about kindness. I mean, the word humankind has the word kind in it. And I just think as organizations, um, to put me out of business, if everyone focused on just being kind to each other and to refocus their mindsets from what is politically correct or not to what is kind, um, I think would really create a culture of inclusion, not just in businesses and organizations, but importantly in community as well and within families. So I think for me, inclusion really is about you know, what is a kind thing to say? What is a kind thing to do for another person as opposed to, you know, centering ourselves? And um, and it really is all about just extending the, the hand of kindness from one human being to, to another. I really love that mm. because at the end of the day, inclusion, if you take that literally, it's about empathetically understanding there's another person to include, right? Yes. And I suppose... Uh, privilege comes from being blinkered to there being an, another experience. Would you agree with that, Winnie? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to your passions, right? So people say, oh, I'm really super passionate about writing. Well, you haven't exactly snowboarded, you haven't climbed trees. 
um, there's a whole range of life experiences that you haven't been exposed to that if you had, um, your passion might not, not necessarily be writing and might actually be something else, such as, you know, building furniture or something like that. So it's the same thing as humans, you know, we're only exposed to what we're exposed to, um, from a really young age up into adults. And so because of that social conditioning, because of that cultural conditioning, um, we start to form world views and beliefs about ourselves, about other individuals. And that's what we mean, you know, as you shared before about having you sort of, you know, your blinkers on. So for individuals, I say the best thing that you could do is to get amongst community where others have a completely different lived experience than you, where you are the perceived minority and, and experience that, you know, feel that and, um, and listen and observe and that will start to widen you know your blinkers as to the diverse range of human lived experiences on this world earth so much of it is about a feeling isn't it like when we talk about a lot of things in the world it comes down to that feeling of how it makes you feel putting yourself in someone else's position how does it make them feel and when you go into an organization Winnie I would love to know you would probably see a whole lot of fear around people oh they don't want to make a mistake they don't want to say the wrong thing but then in in turn they almost do the opposite and don't do anything and don't try and extend that hand for kindness and support and and that empathy towards other people so when you are in these organizations what 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 does it look like when you are trying to educate them and change a culture of a business yeah absolutely well organizations are very fear orientated you know they might reframe that and call that risk yeah um you know particularly from a governance perspective but at a human level which is what i really try to bring the work down to it really is about fear so it doesn't matter if i'm speaking to ceos of large organizations or smaller size training companies everyone is experiencing the same sort of emotions which is fear fear of getting it wrong fear of being shamed, fear of cancel culture, fear of um, being reported, you know, in in the media. And really that is all about us. It's about me and what's going to happen to me and my experiences and what's going to be the outlash that's going to happen. So it's, you know, in racial equity terms or in um, diversity inclusion sort of talk, we call that centering. So we're centering ourselves and our experiences rather than the other person and mm. other communities and thinking how are we going to be of service to them so the difference you know joe you talked about empathy and the difference between empathy and compassion is empathy is very much focused on pain and suffering and you can pretty much kind of almost stay there but empathy actually has a little bit of bias in it because if you've experienced a particular trauma in your life and you share that with me and i've experienced something similar i'm most likely going to feel what you're feeling and have a degree of empathy towards it. Whereas with organizations, when we're building inclusive cultures, we actually want them to take a step away from that because what happens is you can kind of really get stuck in the emotion and, um, and then you can kind of almost start centering yourself. You know, I'm feeling this because Joe shared X, Y, Z with me. And so what we need to do is actually move towards compassion because compassion takes one step away from the emotion and asks itself, what can I do to support the individual to help alleviate their pain, their suffering? And rather than you deciding what that course of action is, it's about asking the other person, how can I best support you? What do you need from me? How can I, sh- how can I show up for you? With allyship, I've, I've always talked about allyship being 
is really about being the person that you really needed in your worst moments, in the most traumatic moments of your life. Like what was the person that you needed to really show up in that moment? And that's really what allyship is all about, is being that person for other individuals. And so we can absolutely get really roped into the emotion, but we actually need to step, take a step away to not stay stuck in the pain and suffering, but to ask the individual, what can I do to help and how can I serve? Because it's not about, it's not about saving, it's about serving you know, individuals and communities. So um, I, as you can tell, I can rant about this. I can talk oh, about this. No. I just thank you for sharing just even that small part because already it's made me realize how sometimes I will put my empathy hat on Mm. and feel what the other person's feeling and think that I understand what they need from me rather than actually show up with a complete fresh take and go, what do you actually need from me? And asking that question, that is so powerful. It is so powerful. And I have to say too, Winnie, like I'm sitting here as a startup founder wanting to get Uh, you know, diversity and inclusion right from the beginning, like from the ground up, right? This is a part of our value system. This is is how we're creating our business. and, 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 but, you know, we're two white women hearing yep. you and understanding that we don't have the lived experience. So mm. what do we need to know? How can we be good allies and how can we create the right culture within Broad Radio from the beginning? Yeah, well, I think it's really important to acknowledge that just because someone has lived experience doesn't necessarily mean that they have diversity and inclusion expertise. And so that's where we tend to see a lot of the burden being thrown upon people with lived experience because there's this expectation or this assumption that just because they've experienced X, Y, Z in their life, that they somehow have all the answers to how you can be more inclusive or diverse in your content, your messaging, your platforms and things like that. So it's yes, it's absolutely important that we get people with lived experience, but we also need to make sure that they have the diversity and inclusion expertise um, as well. So definitely training is really important. But as we know from the research, one-off training is not effective. You know, how are you um, implementing that work? So with a lot of organizations, what I've now started doing is bringing myself in as what I have now called a diversity and expert in residence, uh, diversity and inclusion expert in residence. And I kind of took that term from the startups ecosystem where we'd have an entrepreneur in residence. So I basically say to them that I'm going to make your home my home for the next 12 months. We're going to do some training, but just know that I'm over here. I'm over here in the background. If you have questions, if you fall, I'll catch you. You won't be doing this work alone. I'll be standing alongside you, walking with you hand in hand as we do this work together, because it is scary. It is. There's a lot of fear and um, a whole lot of emotions that come up. And if we make mistakes together, we're going to share that responsibility. But importantly, we're going to move forward and we're going to take that action. Training is really important, but we've um, absolutely got to integrate that training into our systems, our processes and how we show up as, as entities. I'd love to know from your point of view, Winnie, who is doing it well or who is well on their way to doing a great job in being inclusive and being diverse and whether it be an organization or, you know, my background being, you know, sporting teams, is there, is there people that you can kind of put up there and say, no, they're, they're really doing everything they possibly can and continuing to learn to create the best environment they can? Yeah. So, um, 
I think from my perspective, everyone is trying the best that I can. I mean, for me to say that one is doing better than the other would be, you know, casting judgment. Because the thing that I've learned with organizations is that everyone has a different bucket of financial and non-financial resources in terms of what they can or can't do. But what I'm seeing as a bit of a trend is a smaller size businesses that are having more traction when it comes to diversity inclusion. So when I look at my client pool and I, I work with really large holding companies that have multiple brands, um, you know, are really large, you know, thousands of staff. And then I have other clients that have maybe five, 20 people. Um, those organizations are actually creating more traction, but I think that's because they don't have those layers of corporate policies and processes and governance in place in order to, to even get sign off. Did we get sign off for me to come in and say, <laughs> hey, I want to, I want to be part of your family. <laughs> um, we want you to be a part of our family, Winnie. <laughs> it was interesting, though, that we were talking before we started the show around the industries we've come from. And so, you know, I'm in the media industry, which is uh, pretty far behind when it comes to diversity. Um, yep. And Bianca's come from sport, where we were talking about the different structures that have been very um like barriers all yes. around for lots of different people yeah yes. absolutely and like especially in sport you know for athletes it's been a huge topical thing in netball because you know we've out of all the the 80 elite players that play in the suncorp super netball there is one indigenous athlete and she everything comes on her when it's you know indigenous round and it's all you know she has to be out there on court everyone expects so much from her and it's so much pressure on her shoulders yet what we're realizing and all of us are to blame is that there's only one way to make it to the elite level and it's so structured in for for white girls to play the game and I look over the ditch at what New Zealand do in terms of their netball and how they develop and they embrace so many different cultures and so many different even just as smaller thing as so many different body shapes that can still play the game and I I just look at them in awe and I shouldn't because they're our main rivals but (laughs) I look at them in awe because every time you know even just the national anthem the way they sing it in the Maori first and then they sing it in English the second and I just I don't know I get goosebumps when I listen to the national anthem because of just how much respect they pay to those that have come before them mm. we, I just I guess we're saying we're, there's so many of us are so far behind yes, yes. I feel like there's so much work to be done yeah so ironically it was it was media that got me plugged into, into doing this work and it just so happens that the majority of my clients are in media, creative, you know, uh, advertising sort of industries and sectors. Um, but I, I think for me personally doing this work, you know, lack of representation, um, particularly for me in the media industry, was what propelled me to start doing this work. But it's also the thing that keeps me uh, really engaged. It gets me up every morning. And with all my clients, you know, I can genuinely see them trying really hard to the best of their ability, trying to do this work. And, you know, I keep reframing it as an opportunity because if we keep seeing it as a problem, again, that empathy, uh, we're going to stay in that pain. It's not going to help us move us forward because that's when fear rises up. That's when shame rises up. Um, And really, it's to just reframe this simply as an opportunity. Yes, absolutely. These problems exist and they are problematic. 
Um, but let's start to think outside the box. You know, in the media industry, for example, you know, we're storytellers. Get to utilize the skills that we are exceptionally good at to look at these set of challenges and create opportunities for more equity and equality. And let's stay really, really action focused and, and moving forward because it's not about getting it right. It's just, it's just about just taking incremental steps forward because they all compound over time. Because like, what the hell? Like, you know, we're all imperfect people living in an imperfect world on this rather weird planet called Earth. <laughs> you know, we're not going to be, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right. So why are we focusing on that? Why are we getting so hyped up about it? Let's focus on incremental changes and moves forward and leave a legacy for the next generation to pick up and to continue that work. See the opportunities. I love it. It is so great. And I know that you are running a colourful conference. It's online this year, so that's fantastic. Tell us about your conference, Winnie. Yeah, so... um, I guess for me, my own career before doing this work, you know, I was working in the corporate sector and I went up all the way to a CEO level and I was like, where are all the other women of color? Uh, CEOs and executive leaders and things like that. So I created Colorful Conference, which is a one day uh, event by and for women of color and allies. And it's an, again, it's an opportunity for us to come together and to do this work. Allies learning how to support women of color learning from our stories, hearing our stories firsthand, and women of color having a safe, respectful, nurturing, but empowering place to celebrate our achievements, to highlight exceptional women of color in the community that are leading and in corporate and in business, and for us to come together, put our heads together, and to learn how to do this work to redefine leadership, to redefine entrepreneurship for ourselves, and you know, to really unpack how can I go on this journey in a way that's really going to be fulfilling, empowering and joyful for me. So it's kind of like, because I have a, you know, I have a background as a dancer as well. Um, but for me, it's a, it's a hybrid between a Beyonce concert and a tech book, but also a day spa. So that's basically <laughs> what the is about. Sounds like heaven. I know. I mean, why don't they offer a day spa at Beyonce concerts? That is madness. (laughs) What a missed opportunity there.